Welcome, friends. You're listening to Where Water Flows Uphill, a production of Weld Found. We're asking a big question this series. In the coming flood of change, who do we want to be? This show is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation. The foundation helps our community spread the good. For more information, head to weldcommunityfoundation.org. Also, thanks to High Plains Library District and NOCO Optimist for extra help in this series. We are following the artist Wes Bruce, who's doing a large-scale art installation. It's at the new Library and Innovation Center in downtown Greeley, Colorado. For Wes, the installation is inspired by an area of 100-some acres around the Poudre River, found on the west side of Greeley. So most of the interviews with him were held out there in the wild so we could get inspired alongside him. We're following Wes, a, a fascinating person who's been described as Mr. Rogers meets Willy Wonka. He's our primary source for this series. But then we're also taking some branching tributaries as well, little creeks of stories specific to what's happening in this region. We begin today by the river with Wes. This is a story he offered to me in one of our earlier walks together. We stopped while on top of this berm and he pointed to this larger copse of trees in the distance. Here. And that long grove over there, uh, when the, the leaves are gone, you can see all these great blue heron nests. It's a great blue heron rookery. And great blue herons kind of ended up becoming this like icon of transformation in my life. And it, it started here, but then they ended up um, it's hard to say this without um, feeling like I deflate the magic air out of the out of the balloon, but it felt like I was given this invitation that there's like a story and a life for you after this place, and an invitation to go see what that was, and that was given. And very shortly after that, we ended up deciding to move to the East Coast, and I kept having great blue herons sort of show up in my attention regularly in moments of significance and then that became some of like the back mythology for like the projects that are out there and ended up making essentially like an entire exhibition out of like that spiritedness and that presence of great blue herons and when I came back for the first time just the other day after not having been here for a couple years was sitting on this little ledge and a great blue heron just went and looped in right in front of us. He's really, really special. That's awesome. As Wes told me this story, it reminded me of something I'd heard once before. It was in a sermon, actually, this idea about finding a strong, deep connection in nature, so strong we'd call it spiritual. The idea was this. The pastor giving the sermon said, I bet you have something specific in nature that is really meaningful to you, an animal or a type of tree or a flower or even an environment like the woods or desert. And when you experience this in the wild or come across it in your life, it wakes you up a bit. You ask yourself, is the universe telling me something? You become a bit more open to intention and meaning. When this idea was presented to me, I immediately knew mine. I, I thought, 
cottonwoods. I love cottonwood trees. And there are these moments of meaning where I feel I'm just a touch more awake to the world around me when I see a cottonwood or I drive by a cottonwood. As Wes said, they seem to accompany moments of significance. Cool coincidence. The same weekend I heard this idea from that sermon, I also went home to visit my parents. Coming out of a restaurant, a flock of geese flew overhead, loudly honking, and my dad said out loud, Hey, a flock of geese, that's how I know God loves me. He'd obviously heard this idea, this sentiment too. Do you have one? A connection in nature that's almost like an anchor or a bell for you. I have one friend who'd say butterflies, another who'd say Long's Peak, the mountain in and of itself. Wes would say great blue herons. What about you? What would you answer when it comes to the natural world? Do you have a special connection? Something that invites you to trust, to remind you that you're loved, to move forward with a sense of invitation into the unknown. And it helps you pay a little closer attention. By the way, pay close attention here because this connection for Wes makes an awesome appearance at the end of today's show. This is episode two of Where Water Flows Uphill. Today, we're going to surprise a young girl, my daughter, Lucy. She came along with Wes and I on one of these interviews out by the river. There's an art film going in at the installation, playing in a specific area. And today, Wes is gonna give Lucy a walkthrough of the installation, talk her through it, what it will look like, feel like, and we'll get a sense of the installation through a young person's imagination. But at the end of this walkthrough, Wes surprises Lucy, invites her to be the protagonist in this movie that is a companion to the installation. Also on today's show, we'll be talking with Ben Snow. He's the head of Greeley's Department of Economic Health and Housing. Speaking of floods of change, he's going to be talking about how an area experiencing incredible growth can grow healthily and talk about some things happening in this region in particular. We begin with Wes and Lucy and myself walking out by the river. We started moving and realized the area was filled with red-winged blackbirds, a great sound to find yourself in the midst of. Wes spoke to some of his own bird encounters. There's like something really alive yeah. that's happening. And I've been here and there's like been a bald eagle that's come and landed in the tree. Yeah. Or all these little red-winged blackbirds or I'll get like a vision over that way because there's yeah. great blue herons over there too. Yeah. I love little spottings of animals like that, just like of living creatures. Mm -hmm. Like at the park, we've seen swans, we've seen like uh, eagles and like just walking to the players. Yeah. We saw a great horned owl perched on a chimney, no just way. like sitting there watching us. That's so it's cool. so awesome. And it makes the whole world feel so much more alive when you see yeah. these other I know, creatures and it's too. Like, I walked by the owl and automatically dad, I was like, I was like, Dad, Mom, come here. But I was like, whisper yelling. <laughs> and then, and then um, they they came and found it. And like, the owl was so still, Dad was like, no, Lucy, that's just a big statue. And then it, it like turned its head <laughs> to, towards us. It was so cool. Uh, can you hear the birds on your podcasting? Good. Because things like the birds are like, 
perfect explaining that. Yeah. But I just like love the birds in the distance and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, what I've told Lucy is that we are talking through kind of like the whole of the installation mm -hmm. and specifically uh, the the hero's journey, kind of the flow of the installation. Mm -hmm. Did you want to go this way? I'll, I'll follow your lead. Yeah, let's go this way. Um, and then I, uh, something, something that I said, the interviews that I've been doing have been with you and I, mm -hmm. and there's going to be a lot of tape where it's you and I, and it was like, to have you explain it to a 12-year-old who's going to be uh, using the the space and like playing in it and exploring mm -hmm. it, yeah. Um, to give it that kind of language would be super helpful. Yeah. So that will be awesome. That sounds excellent. That sounds great. Yeah, I wanted to be able to um, tell you a little bit about it and get your input back on it and just hear ideas that kind of come up with it too, Lucy. We wanted to meet here was because the installation is largely based off of the river and based off of this place because when I lived here I would come walking here all the time like this was kind of like one of my best friends as yeah. I mean I'm you get it to have like a place that is also a best friend and all the different trees, like there's trees that I have really strong connections with here and the river itself and all these different moments with different birds and things like that. But um, can I paint a picture of the installation yeah. for you? Yeah. So when you come into the installation, sort of like a river, there's gonna be like this windy path. Yeah. That's kind of like a river, kind of like a snake. And all along the path of that river, there's going to be different little spaces that are like rooms, but they're more like different areas that you would find along the river. So you know how you can be walking along a river or a path in the woods, and then all of a sudden there's like a certain space that just gives you like a really strong feeling, yeah. like a big cottonwood tree. Or a stump, or there's like. Or a giant fallen log that you pretend is a sailboat with a group of friends and speak in pirate language for the rest of the day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I love that you mentioned pirate language too, because part of it for me is because the whole installation is based off of a river, um, I made up a language that is based on the texture of water and the flowy and waviness. That's and then cool. also how water has the ability to describe how we feel as people too. So if, if you said like, oh, I, I like poured my heart out to Hattie yeah. the other day, that's a, a thing that you and water share, right? Mm. Or you could be like, oh, like my heart feels dried out right now. Or I feel like I'm sinking in life right now. You can describe yeah. your life with water, right? So there's going to be all these like little symbols and swirly language pieces all over the floor, all over the walls, yeah. um, on the ceiling. They're going to be everywhere, as if you have like jumped into this metaphorical river of poetry. But then all the different spaces, all those rooms, 
all the different areas, sort of connect with a different character, because in the story of this space, it's almost like a whole fictional world, and you can't have a world without characters, right? Yeah. And I want every kid that goes in there to feel like they are on this big epic journey. And it kind of connects to things like Zelda or yeah. Lord of the Rings. Um, kind of name like any really significant like fantasy story and there's like a character in the middle, right? Cool, yeah. So you might have like an Elsa type person or you have Frodo or whoever and they're on this journey and they're the hero of that tale, right? Yeah. And the same way that you are in your life like exploring, learning lessons, sometimes it's great, <laughs> sometimes it's hard, but you're always sort of picking up these little mementos of lessons. And so the art project, that installation kind of mimics real life in that way. And it's almost like you're stepping into a story, like you're yeah. stepping into a book, but it it's fun because it blends reality and fiction. So it's a story that's written, but you're actually climbing through things and you're going through tunnels and you're going into dark spaces and trying to find your way through. Yeah. And there are 12 different characters that kind of represent different things. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of an archetype before? The word no. archetype? No, I haven't. An archetype, um, the way that I think of it is like, it's like a juice concentrate. <laughs> Of, of a story or a character. So you think of like the, the evil villain in a story. Yeah. Is sort of like an archetype that represents like a big struggle going up against the forces of evil or whatever it is. And there's yeah. like that character that's almost like a stereotype of itself in different stories. So you have like um, the Wicked Witch of the West or you have Darth Vader. <laughs> You know, name any villain, and they're kind of an archetype of that. Yeah. Or you have, like, the wise sage. Like, pretty much every wizard <laughs> in every story is, yeah. like, this wise sage character. Dumbledore, Gandalf. Uh-huh. Like, lots mm -hmm. and lots of those. Yeah. What I think is really fun about those different characters, they have different personalities that can be different poems or artwork. Yeah. So, like, one of the characters in the installation at the library yeah. is the sun. And the sun is like this benevolent queen. And she's like golden, we'll go this way. And she is this like radiant force, right? And she gives gifts of sunlight, and she makes things yeah. grow. And so her space at Link is this big, tall silo. Yeah. And there are all these layers of nets yeah. that you as a kid or an adult, like you go into and you're climbing like up, 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 up through all these layers and you have to go through these little portholes. And then once you get to the very top, there's this big sun uh, that's illuminated on the ceiling. And then there are skylights and you can be laying on your back yeah. like this. And you have like 20 something feet of net below you and then yeah. there's skylights for you to look out of that yeah. space and just revel as if you're like laying on a cloud yeah. up there. So challenge rating for 
kids to go through that will be fairly low, but for an adult like myself who, like I hurt my back if I reach for the salt rung, uh, <laughs> like, like will I be able to climb through that as well? Will they allow me in? And, yeah. And, because yeah. I'm, I want, I want to, I want to be in the sun. Definitely. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just yeah. Wanna... There's enough space in there so that you can go through it if you're, if you're daring. I'll start doing some yoga. Exactly. Make get sure your calisthenics going. Limber, limber enough to get it. I, I need to be able to get through there. It's a builder practice course in the great room. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> You've just gone through like the uh, the biggest portion of the installation and yeah. it's all lit. Yeah. But then you'll come to like this curtain. Yeah. And the curtain will be probably kind of like the color of this, like kind of yeah. indigo yeah. river. And you'll have to like part it. And then once you go into this, yeah. it's all dark. Mm -hmm. And the, the hallway kind of curves. And it's the type of thing if you've ever gone into um, a space where the lights are turned off and you kind of walk. Yeah. Like this oh. a little bit and it's like it kind of gets your adrenaline going yeah. So here keep keep walking right with me. It's kind of cool So you'll like walk around this corner and you can see that there's a way that you can go that way Yeah, or you can go into this room right here And if you go into this room You're inside This dome and it's almost mm. like if you imagine being able to go inside an eggshell oh, yeah. But then make it like 13 feet tall, so the walls yeah. are kind of bowed and then it domes like that. Oh, yeah. And this is um, a room where we're showing a movie that we're making. Ooh, and the yeah. movie is all filmed along the river here. Yeah. And it follows this young girl and it's like mm -hmm. a story of the hero's journey. Yeah. And it's gonna be somebody about your age. It's gonna be going and connecting with Cottonwood character, that backward horse rider, the sun, the moon, um, these willows, and there's no spoken language in it really. It's all yeah. kind of spoken through movement and facial yeah. expression and eye contact. Yeah. And unlike when you go to a movie and it's just a screen like that, in this yeah. room because it's curved, yeah. like the movie is playing like oh, all the way so around fun. you. So you feel like you're in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah and you connect with that hero in a way that like you, you feel their highs and you feel their lows too. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think one of, the, one of the cool things about artwork with the hero's journey is it's a little bit of a mirror, like to watch this person face this challenge and yeah. you, like your heart kind of breaks with them when their heart is breaking, when it's yeah. hard. And then like when they like, oh, like manage to get back up off the ground and you're like yes like you made it like i didn't know if you'd be able to I'm so and so the installation becomes part of people's yeah. life and because it's at the library you can always go for free people are going to go there after school or on the yeah. weekends and it becomes connected to you and like in that little film in that movie yeah, room yeah. you see the challenge from yeah, yeah. this from this young woman from this young girl that is like moving from childhood into this next chapter she has to face things that she's really scared of there are all these characters that yeah. she meets and they teach her different lessons and she kind of carries them with her that film is gonna be like one of the 
think the most important parts and one of the things that people connect with most because it's going to be such a surprise that it's in there but then because it it's like spoken along the river and it doesn't use actual words it's like movement and it's going to be really beautiful we want it to be something that people like can really relate to yeah and my friend ryan and i we're kind of just going through like, okay, we want the film to be connective. We want somebody who has this really nuanced and poetic way of being in the world. We need somebody that we know that we can trust. We need somebody who has like this theatrical way of being. And I was like, I wonder if my friend Lucy would want to play the part in that movie. And (laughs) so this, Lucy, is my official invitation. Would you play the main character in this movie? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah? No hesitation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, definitely. So, so exciting. But even, like, being out here, Lucy, like, when you asked your dad, like, hey, are you picking up the birds? on the recording i'm like lucy you're, you're just like made for this part <laughs> can i give you a hug lucy oh, it makes there's, me there's a great blue so here. happy oh, oh. there uh, low above the lake yeah oh yes perfect timing that's special definitely yeah man i like your big smile <laughs> yeah. oh man. yeah there's like different little pieces that um, now that you like officially want to do it, I'll yeah. like hand over all these little bits and pieces. Like we yeah. have a story to be able to send to you and just for you to get to know the characters, like we can talk through characters and I can show you the visuals yeah. and things yeah. like that of, of their personalities. Like it's this, it's this whole world that you get to inhabit, you yeah. know, and kind of just play with it. I want to talk for a moment about Thresholds, which is the title of this episode. Many of us have experienced those moments of being at a major threshold in life, at the edge of great change. In a small way, here's Wes at the beginning of a big project, and we just heard Lucy get invited into participating. She's at the beginning of a creative journey too. From this point, she jumps in and begins making this film with a cast of amazing local people. And Wes and Ryan start capturing things in the following months. Many of us have experienced the significant moment of thresholds in life. Have you ever made a big move far from home? In the days leading up to the move, there are probably restless nights of sleep. You're just waiting, knowing that soon everything is going to change. Or I think about talking with seniors in high school who are going to college. They maybe will tell you what they're planning on majoring in, maybe, but everything else is shrouded in mystery. There's an excitement, there's nerves. What's it gonna be like? Another incredible threshold, when someone is pregnant. They're on the edge of this huge shift in life waiting expectantly for this new thing that's coming that's going to change everything. To be at a threshold, it's exciting and nerve-wracking. There's so many unknowns. 
and it requires some real courage. What will it look like for you to pass this point? You won't know until you take that first step. At a human level, we've all experienced thresholds of some sort. We relate to this uh, by personal experience. But also, I think it helps us to understand that things happen like this on a larger scale. I want to say this. Our entire region is at a threshold right now. Weld County is on track to change dramatically in the coming years in the ways that population growth can change an area. How should we process our home when it's on the edge of major change? I had a chance to talk with someone who speaks to this threshold really well, to our fears and concerns and excitements that come with it. What would you say to folks who are scared of of the threshold, who are a little bit nervous about the growth, um, and, uh, and, and what do you say to encourage people uh, to be a little bit open towards the idea of Weld County growing as fast as it is? I, I like the way you phrase that. I like that question. It's, it's, a, it's a common one where, where people, I've never heard it quite asked like that with, you know, put as sort of this threshold, what might feel daunting or scary for people as they approach the threshold. His name is Benjamin Snow, and he works for the city of Greeley. He sat down and spoke with me about the growth of our area, giving a little of insight into housing, which I know many of us have wondered about, what is coming up as far as the builds in our area. And he gave his own answer to the question, in the coming flood of change, who do you hope we become? Here's Benjamin. So I'm Benjamin Snow. I'm the Director for Economic Health and housing for the city of Greeley. I've been in this role for about three and a half years and I'm loving it because I get to touch so many different facets of the of the community and the economy. Where did you come from? Where have you, where have you been? I spent there? nine years in the Black Hills of South Dakota prior to coming to Greeley. And before that, I spent about seven years in the Metro Denver area, mostly in the South Denver, Douglas County uh, Tech Center area. And then um, when this opportunity came up, what, what drew you to why do you want to put your name in the hat? Yeah, there, there were a couple of things that I that I think were draws for me. Um, the first is I had, uh, having spent some time away from the Front Range, had grown uh, to miss the dynamic aspects of life on the Front Range, and and part of that is growth. Um, I I love areas that are growing, uh, much like I like plants that are growing, and much like I like families that are growing. It's just that it's it's one of those things that you can embrace it and help nurture that growth and channel it in a way that, that you feel like is impactful. So that was uh, one aspect that drew me back. The other part is I grew up in a small farming community on the outskirts of Phoenix. And so when I was first driving through uh, Greeley, it was very reminiscent of Maricopa, Arizona, which is an ag community, um, as I said, outside of the the stretches of Phoenix. And so irrigation ditches and having you not, not drive very far to where you have farm fields and, and you see things growing um, is something that kind of drew my heart to a place like Greeley. I asked Ben to speak to our numbers of growth. And actually, right before heading to this interview, I told a friend of mine about the census numbers from Weld County dealing with the last 10 plus years of, of growth and her jaw dropped. And she said, oh, that, that can't be right. So, yeah, I can lay those numbers yeah, out for you. Yeah, give me some get, Just to give, give you a, a pretty good sense about that. Um, every 10 years we do the census. And so that kind of clocks in the official population estimate. And then 
every year estimates are done based on what those census numbers are. So the latest estimates put us at right at 110,000 population in Greeley proper. If you add another 25,000 people that are in Evans, that immediately makes this area you know, puts us up in, in that 135,000 to 140,000 range. And then a lot of people refer to the Greeley MSA, which is the Metropolitan Statistical Area, because Greeley's the county seat for Weld County, but the Greeley MSA is essentially all of Weld County. So when you hear how fast we are growing and you see how quickly we're growing and how that compares with other MSAs around the country, the Greeley MSA was the fourth fastest growing MSA in the country between the two, uh, between the 2010 and 2020 census years. So all of the growth that's happening on the outskirts of Greeley are all credited as part of that Greeley MSA. But we're taking our fair share of that growth to, to be sure. And so we would say that uh, Weld County is one of the is the fourth fastest growing area. In the United States. That's correct. And so to think of that in proportionality, you have the population of Greeley, which is about 110,000, population of the county, which is about 330,000. So those numbers make the math really easy to say that we're about a third of the county's population. And as we continue to grow into the future, we expect that proportion to, to remain fairly consistent. Okay. But uh, that puts us on pace to reach 200,000 by the year 2050. Really the next 30 years, plus or minus, we will essentially double in population. Okay, plus like around doubling in size in the next 30 Correct. years. Correct, that's right. Okay. Woo. So that's still a lot that's of growth. A, Any way you slice it, it's still, yeah. it's still a lot of growth. Yeah. And I'm always careful to let people know that we do not believe in growing for growing sake. That's not part of our formula here. We, we think that you can grow intelligently. You can, people, sometimes people will call it grow smart or cautious. Um, it's, it's really, for us, it's more of a philosophy that says growth represents economic energy. And we have the power in our hands to channel that energy into the places in the community that make the most sense for us. And that's been my response to growth for 20 years that I've been doing economic development. And I think it's an important distinction because if you don't really have a plan in place and the growth happens to you, rather than you kind of getting, getting control, getting out in front of it and having a plan of where you can channel that economic growth, uh, two totally different outcomes with what your community looks like in 30 years. Yes. When it comes to planning and the future, I asked Ben about housing in Weld County. There are a lot of concerns. One concern that I've heard is, will some of us be priced out of Weld in the coming years as prices increase? And he gave a metaphor of two specific ladders. I thought it was really helpful. Within those two uh, spectrums, one is a working spectrum, a jobs ladder is the metaphor that I like to use. And we like to mate that up as best as we can with a housing ladder. So if you envision the different rungs on those respective ladders, we ought to be pursuing strategies that prov provide parity between the two ladders so that a job at X has a house or a dwelling at X, and that a job at Y has a dwelling at Y. And wherever we see missing rungs, either on the employment spectrum or on the housing spectrum, it ought to be our, our duty and obligation to try to fill those rungs with those types of, of uh, missing elements. 
So I would say there, there are two areas where we have a lot of missing rungs, and one of them you already mentioned, which is that affordability spectrum to make sure that, because we have uh, jobs that are in, in that spectrum, but if we don't have housing, then that makes life a little more difficult. It doesn't mean people become homeless, but it means they're spending more of their disposable income on housing. It's so much, in fact, that it becomes uncomfortable you know, for, in running their household finances, and so we, we never want those uh, households to feel uncomfortable that way. Um, you mentioned there's a couple of projects in our pipeline that we would call affordable housing projects, and those are designed exactly to fill in those rungs so that with their existing pay scale, there are housing options for, for folks that, that will be able to not make it uncomfortable in affording housing. And then we also feel like there's an opportunity where we see missing rungs at the higher end, at the sort of uh, executive level housing, where if we're losing that business to other communities, um, shame on us. It would be behoove us to work with our development partners to make sure that we're putting that level of product out in, in the marketplace as well, because those higher income earners then have a larger spillover effect in the in the community in, in retail spending and in other services that they would purchase. And we're, we're missing out on that if they don't live here. Our growth is really strong out west. So we have a lot of new developments that are going to be coming to the west edge of Greeley. And they're big. They're big developments. And the most notable that, that people have already noticed if they've driven by is a, a, about 380 single-family homes that are uh, that project is about 60% built out now, and it's called Promontory, and it's a, a single-family subdivision that's um, going to be completed by the end of this year. In addition to that, we have some multifamily housing projects that are going to be coming in close to Promontory as well. Um, and then we have a couple of other developments. Uh, there's a big one called Del Entero that's about 850 acres at the southwest corner of 257 and Highway 34. So Keddy Corner from where Promontory is, and that's a, a big development. That'll probably take a couple of years before we see any dirt moving out there. What does all of this housing growth mean? Well, it pretends a couple of things. Number one, you got to have the rooftops in place before retail gets excited about locations. So we see really prime opportunities for, for retail shopping out in West Greeley. The reason that's good in my book is because it provides those retail amenities closer to where those people are living. Where right now, it's bereft of any retail right now, so people have to drive for a bit before they can, can get to that. Another big story is the downtown. You mentioned the link when we first started visiting today. Um, that project will be completed, $30 million project. That is on the on the footsteps of, of about $170 million in downtown that's been spent over the last six years, and there are more footsteps to come with projects we have um, slated for downtown that are, I can't talk about all of them right now, but there, there's some exciting new projects that will be coming to downtown Greeley that just keep that momentum going. So for, for us, for the city, we look at what's going on out west as well as what's happening in downtown as important ends of a, of a barbell that we want to keep those balanced. We, we don't want e either of them to sort of outshadow the others. A question I've been asking everyone that's been featured on this series is in the coming flood of change, who do you hope we become? Being at a threshold is also an invitation to drop some things that maybe aren't going to be helpful in the coming season, an opportunity to say, well, I need to focus on this in the coming season. Here was Ben's answer 
to the question, which really speaks to his passion about our region. So, so when it comes to those kind of big picture, like who do we want to be in the coming flood of change? Um, what are your hopes for where you live? So I would put at the top of the list, a preservation of our identity as a, as a community that has not yet connected with the rest of the Front Range Metroplex. We have an opportunity to get it right um, in creating some community separation some buffers, some people look at that as the open space preservation, which we're all, all in favor of, of course, because that allows for this breakage between development where people leave one place and then it's open. It's calm for a bit before you enter into another urbanized place. So I'd put that at the top of the list, preserving that sense of, of a place that is created when you have these community separators and buffers, which is generally created by preserving those open space cores. So that's the first thing I would put at the top of the list. Then the second thing I would put, as far as my future vision of what, what Greeley looks like, is that we have a sense of quality about Greeley, that we become known as a place of high quality. Um, that hasn't always been the case, and it's particularly when you're when you're kind of one ring out from the the primary uh, zone, call it I-25, and there's a sense that places are sometimes more affordable when you move f further away, and sometimes you make the error of saying that if it's more affordable, it has to be cheaper, of lower quality, and, and I don't subscribe to that philosophy at all. I think there's some fundamental advantages that are cost savings for businesses and cost savings for residents um, in their housing, but I don't think that means we have to trade quality for for those costs. So that's the second thing that I would say is important of the future version of Greeley is that it's known as a really cool quality type of place. So every community has a brand. Whether it's an active promoted brand or not, every community has a brand and it's the, the legacy, the perception that people have of the, of the place. You can't escape not having that. So what you want to do is make it as, as positive and real and truthful as, as you can. And some of the things that Greeley has been known for, for many decades, are really good, noble things. And I think the agricultural heritage, uh, the fact that we, we make things and build things here, so call it a blue-collar working you know, corridor, um, I think those are, are both very virtuous things that we want to maintain that sense of who, who we are. There's also a, when, when you have a community that's 150 years old, um, it's real. I mean, when you go and, and kick the tires on, a, on metaphorical tires on a place and you walk around and you go, this place is real. This, these buildings really are 150 years old. And these old agricultural assets definitely tell a story. There's been a lot of agriculture happening around here, hasn't there? And you say, absolutely there has been, and still is happening here. Well, as some of the agricultural assets convert over into modern urbanized uses, I would love to keep most of that infrastructure, at least the facade of an old uh, grain mill, of an old plant. I want to keep those things alive because it reminds us of our history, even if it has a, a new use. I think those are the kinds of things I would look at as how does Greeley maintain its its history, but also imbue a sense of, of new quality with whatever the new uses are going to be without just tearing everything down. I think you can have it both ways. Mm -hmm. 
as we change that uh, perception, the image, what people have about Greeley, not only for people who live in Greeley, like me, to proudly state I live in Greeley, because of, and if people don't understand what's going on, I'm a pretty good evangelist in sharing with them what I know that's happening here that get, excites me about, about the city. Um, but then you start winning these converts. You know, you keep with that metaphor where they start saying, you know, I haven't been to Greeley. It's probably been 10 years since I went there. Or I, I went to school there. And boy, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd, I'd, I'd go back just based on my impression there. And you say, well, you need to make another visit to Greeley. Yeah. And it's, it's really, really cool. And there's some things going on here that you may not appreciate. And, and I think that's part of my job is to, to help people understand what has happened here over the last 10 years, what we have in our pipeline that's gonna be happening over the next 10 years. And I, I, I've already seen if they're from here, from Colorado, they've been sort of converted. If they're not from Colorado and they're not living with any legacy stigma or images, guess what? They think this is the best place they ever. They think this is the best place ever from step one. And so that's the beautiful thing that when, when I'm looking at trying to attract capital investment into the community, um, shame on the locals, <laughs> meaning anyone in the Front Range or anyone in Colorado who's living with maybe an outdated stigma or stereotype about Greeley, um, they will be missing the boat because there will be people not from here who already are investing in, in this place. And so th that's a little bit of a gauntlet throw, I understand, I but I think that's part of who we are and it's just us proudly being that. And I'll talk to anybody who wants to know about Greeley and I'm agnostic as to whether they're coming from Denver or Fort Collins or Cleveland, frankly, mm -hmm. because I think there's an opportunity here um, and I, I just think the locals ought to overcome some of those biases that they may still be living with. Huge thanks to Ben Snow for sharing today. And thanks to Lucy and Wes for the walkthrough interview. Music on today's show was by James Ryan. All the songs were created specifically for the installation, its film, and the live experience of it. Thank you to Dave Farrell, a professor at Ames Community College, for sound engineering on this episode. On the next show, we dive into a much-discussed topic for Colorado, water. Today's show is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation. Head to weldcommunityfoundation.org for more. Thanks again for listening to Where Water Flows Uphill. Rate us on iTunes. Share us with a friend.